Hey, good morning, Heritage Church. Dr. Dab here. Uh, first of all, I want to make sure that somebody has told you that they are glad that you are here. I'm glad that you're here and you're safe and you're loved. Again, I want to say thank you. Welcome, Lori, and I love you guys a bunch. Uh, before the message begins today, I want to pause and give a very specific expression of gratitude to my staff and our incredible volunteers who helped make for a really great uh, Heritage Legacy Camp. Uh, Lori and I went and picked up our boys from the camp uh, yesterday and wow, just pulling up the kids were all hyper and excited and, and Miss Jess had all of the cars getting ready and organized. Anyway, what a great thing to pull off, especially after the last season we've all been in for the kids to be able to get together and do camp. So thank you, thank you, thank you, all of my staff. You know that you've worked hard. You know that you sweat and stayed up late and didn't sleep and volunteers. God bless you really big. Today, uh, for our message today, I have invited our own Brian Saulwasser to come and speak. You guys know Brian and Julie Saulwasser. Brian has been with me at Heritage almost since, almost since the very beginning. Uh, has a, is an accomplished man. A professional, also has a master's degree in, in pastoral ministries from the same seminary I attended. And I love and respect Brian as a man of God and one of my own family members. And it's a joy for me to ask you to help me welcome uh, Brian Saulwasser. I call him Dr. Saulwasser. I have since he was 15. So welcome with me. Would you please lovingly welcome Dr. Brian Saulwasser as uh, he shares God's word with us this morning. God bless you. Well, good morning. That was a very kind introduction. There's actually one thing in there that I'm going to share uh, as we are live this morning, because I know Pastor Dav will hear it. There's one thing I slightly resent. Did you hear him emphasize that I was there almost from the beginning? (laughs) Do you realize he's making a big deal out of three months where I was not living in town? I was away at college. I was faithful at my church where we had been drumming at that he came out of, but I was not there for those three months before I graduated. I'd like to say I've been here since the beginning. Uh, It's good to be with you guys. Uh, God is really good. He has good for you. Uh, It's wonderful to be with you, church. The, the prophetic words that were shared this morning, the presence of God that is here, it has been a good morning. I am going to do my best to do my Pastor Dav impersonation and try to squeeze the life out of a scripture. <laughs> if this is your first time here, know that I'm not nearly as good at it as he is. He is the man. He is so good at that every single week. Uh, there's a lot of you know preaching that that takes a topic, which is kind of what I'm doing, and uh, uh, just we'll we'll talk about certain uh, certain topics that that come to mind or certain themes. But Dav will take takes the book, he takes the scripture, and he just makes it come alive. He is so good at it. Uh, we were talking about um, the topic of just humility. Uh, and gratitude a couple of weeks ago, and, and Dab just invited me. He said, hey, why don't you just unpack that a little bit for us? Um, so I'm going to try to do that as well. And, and as I prayed, uh, Scripture of 1 Peter 5, 5 came to mind. And so I'll read that to you uh, this morning. 
Um, so we're going to talk about humility. And as I'm praying and as, I'm, and, and as I was thinking about this message and, and what I feel like God uh, wants to do uh, for us and through us in this message is uh, I believe that a couple of things, just in our personal lives, I think that humility is always a good thing. It's always an appropriate position to take. It's always beneficial for our relationships, for our homes, for our health. It's always good. But I also believe um, that the church, our church, I believe God wants to promote, to exalt, to give greater influence in this community. And throughout the New Testament, there is one way to have more authority, one way to be exalted in the kingdom, and that is through humility. That's through humbling ourselves. That's through service. And so that's, uh, uh, those are kind of the themes that we're going with this morning that we're looking at. First uh, Peter 5, it's up there on your screen, or you can read along in your own Bible. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, having cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares about you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. 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 Peter just finished addressing some elders. He addressed some youth. In this encouragement, in this exhortation, he addresses all of you. There's no escaping this one. My gender, my age doesn't keep me out of it. This is for everybody. Humility is always an appropriate posture, and it's an appropriate posture for everyone. He says to clothe yourselves with humility. There's a, a, a Greek word that, that Peter could have used that is more typical for donning a, a shirt or a piece of clothing on, but the, the word that he used for clothe is specific to uh, uh, types of clothing that are tied on with a knot. Um, I'd like to think, I mean, this is a, a, an early epistle. Um, Peter, obviously being very close to Jesus, being at the Last Supper, I, would like, I, I think that that was part of the imagery that he had in mind was, was Jesus taking off his garments and putting a towel around his waist and tying a knot before he washed his disciples' feet. I think that's some of the imagery that's in his mind. And uh, one commentator I was reading said there's um, two types of clothing that specifically is associated, is related to this idea of tying it on. And that is one is like a, a servant's apron, an apron that goes over the front to protect your clothes from your acts of service and is tied on around the neck. And I believe that's very appropriate, very connected to this idea of humility. The other type of clothing that's also associated uh, with that word and tying on is, is a long flowing robe, a stole-like robe that has to do with positions of high honor and esteem. 
And I think that that uh, is appropriate for what we look at today, and, and it's appropriate for that theme of that as we humble ourselves before God, as we take that lowly position and, and have an attitude of, of service and humility, God exalts and honors us. He says to do that toward one another. Can you say one another? One another is really, really, really broad. There's not a lot of people outside one another. Where do I find them? Can I find one another at my home? Even when I'm annoyed? Even when things uh, uh, aren't going as I would like or out as I would have planned? There's an opportunity to, to put on uh, humility towards one another. At work, my bosses, my coworkers, subordinates, whatever... That's an opportunity to clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Extended family, in-laws, opportunity to clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Friends, at the grocery store, driving, on the roadway. (laughs) The person who's in the fast lane insisting on doing the speed limit or the person that cuts you off, opportunity to clothe yourself with humility. How about social networks or social media site? Uh, most of you know I'm in law enforcement, and I've been reading um, news articles that, that either are you know, local investigations uh, that, that receive a lot of attention or stuff about recent law changes. I'm always curious what the community thinks, um, and so I'll start to read the comment sections. I tell you what, there's a lot of people out there that can practice some humility towards one another on social media sites. Keep on going. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What is that pride that God is is opposed to? Because we use pride in several different ways. One of the ways that that we talk about pride is, is, uh, uh, you know, a family member does something great, or um, we have pride for, for someone else's accomplishment, achievement, the development, and who they're becoming. Um, this morning, you know, I, I, was, I was thinking about this theme. We have, I, I believe everybody knows Andrew. Andrew's about ready to go play some professional basketball in Europe. And pursue a graduate degree. I think Ed and Karen have feelings of pride over Andrew. Is that true, Karen? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I think we all do. That's appropriate. God's not opposed to that kind of pride. No, we're all proud of Andrew. Um, that, it's like the same thing when Jesus came out of the water. It's what God said to him. He said, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Pride, feelings of joy, pleasure over other people in their development, that is absolutely a good thing. That's not what God's opposed to. What about like my own achievements? When I feel like I did something awesome, is that, is that okay? Can I have pride in that? Should I do a terrible job at work so that I'm not taking pride? I don't think so. I've got a couple of pictures up here. We can click through. So this is a picture. Don't judge me, but this is my house. Those are garbage cans that sit out front sometimes. Um, I took It took me months because I could only work out on the weekend, but I ripped out that bamboo. I ripped out those arborvitas. That's not true. My friend Mike came out and yanked them out with a truck. Built a wall and a fence. I'm proud of that work. That's a good thing. When you do something awesome and you're proud of it, that's good. That's like God creating the heavens and the earth in six days, and then he says, you know what? This is 
Awesome. I did a great job. This is fantastic. That's good. We should have pride in our work. We should take satisfaction, ple- pleasure in the good things that we do. You know, go ahead and click through. So what is the pride that God is opposed to? The definition that I was working on um, that, I've, I, that I've come to is just, it's an overemphasis of my own importance. An overemphasis of of myself, a protection of my own interests, the the protection of my own dignity, self-promotion. Those are the kinds of things. That's the kind of pride that I believe that God is opposed to. I've heard it said many times that humility is, uh, it's, you know, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's not the woe is me, I'm so terrible. That's not humility. But humility is, is the ability to think about yourself less. Um, illustration of that, you know, I went to um, George Fox several years ago now, and I had a, a, a class in adolescent development. So it focused on middle school and high school uh, teenagers and, and kind of where their brain is at, how they function. And when children are younger, when they're in elementary school, the, there's an idea of self, but the idea that other people are thinking about me isn't really there. It's not very important. Or if it is there, it's just not important to them. But when you come into adolescence, into that middle school and high school age, teenagers are hyper-aware that other people are thinking about them. And it can consume them so much that everything they say and do is just a projection of their own image trying to manage how other people are thinking of themselves. And they're aware that other people are thinking good things about themselves, or they're aware that other people are thinking bad things about them but they're consumed with this idea. What's interesting is the concept that they cannot grasp and hold on to is the idea that other people actually aren't thinking about them at all. (laughs) They can't hold on to that. Like, it doesn't sink in deep. But that's humility. That ability just to have no concern or thought or not to be consumed with other people thinking about about them, that, that really is humility. Humility has little regard for how others think. It realizes there's no value in it. It's not seeking its own interests. It's like Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Forever, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Understanding the value that God places on us gives us the freedom it gives us the, the ability, the comfortable space, the safe space to let go, to let go of that desire to protect my interests, to protect my dignity, to protect myself, knowing that God, Almighty God himself, has me in mind and has my best interest in mind, allows me to let that go. Humility is an expression of wisdom that is honored by God. I'm going to read some Proverbs, um, several of them that illustrate this idea. They're listed up there on the screen if you want to take notes or uh, uh, look up them later. I'm just going to read them off. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. wisdom. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Humility is the fear of the Lord, and its wages are riches and honor, and life. 
A person's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. James chapter 4. In this James 4 and this First uh, Peter 5 where it says, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's a, a, a quote from Proverbs 3. Uh, so James 4 says the same thing. God is opposed to, the, opposed to the proud, gives grace to the humble. If you look back at your own Bible, and I know that in, in mine, it's interesting because that Proverbs 3, what it, what it says in, in, in my translation, the English translation of that Hebrew is, God mocks the mocker or he scorns the scornful, but he gives grace to the needy. Words of Jesus, Luke 14 and Matthew 23. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. There's a consistent theme throughout Scripture that humbling ourselves brings exaltation, it brings honor, it even brings riches, it brings life. I want us to take just kind of a deep dive into humility. What does it do and what does it not do? Let's look at some of the characteristics of, of what it looks like in our life. So humility does. First thing it does, it quickly repents. If I'm not concerned about protecting my dignity, protecting my image, it is so easy just to quickly repent. Turn from whatever thing, maybe it was an offense to someone else or my own sin. It's easy to, to repent uh, uh, before the Lord. Humility gives thanks. Thanksgiving and humility um, operate hand in hand. They align us with a proper perspective of who is in charge and to whom praise and glory is due. Thanksgiving helps me to let go of my own deservedness. Humility celebrates others. In our culture, there is this idea of fairness that keeps coming to the surface. And I found it, it's come into my own home. I've had my children say to me several times, hey, wait a minute, so, you know, my brother got this or they got this. That's not fair. Come on. And I've, I don't know where that came from. I guess in school because I've never said that. But I, I, my response to them is, I, I don't care. Like, fairness isn't something that, that we seek after. If, uh, one, of the, one of the secrets in life is that life is not fair. But humility is able to celebrate others. Humility understands that someone else's success, someone else's breakthrough is a good thing. It does not threaten me. Being able to do that in the kingdom, being able to celebrate others' success, being able to celebrate their breakthrough actually opens up the door that I can take part in their success. And it opens up the door for me to have that breakthrough. Humility engages in service. You were made to serve others. It's the place where you will find life. You will find joy. If you make your life about yourself, you will not, you will lose it. You will not find joy in it. Um, as I hear my friend Mike affirming me, I can tell you one of the things that Mike absolutely loves is mission trips short-term mission trips, going and serving. That is a place where he has found life. I, for me, um, again, when I, was, when I was at George Fox, just another 
another memory that, that, that's always stuck with me. We had uh, serve trips. We had short-term uh, serve trips for every spring break and every Christmas break. We would take that time, and, 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 and they, they set aside uh, trips throughout the western United States, throughout California, Oregon, Washington, um, Utah. Anyway, they, um, students would, would sign up and go, and I remember before my first one, I was sitting around the lunch table, and there was a student who was at that table with us, and there was a serve trip that happened to be in Las Vegas, and this guy was saying, hey, I'm going to go to Vegas for spring break. They said, oh, are you going on that serve trip? And he said, no, man, I'm going to go serve myself. Well, I'm not going on a serve trip. And I remember hearing him say that and thinking, oh, that's weird. <laughs> okay. And I remember wanting to hear uh, when we got back, because when everybody else came back from their serve trips, where they took a week, they set aside time to, to serve Christ, serve other people, they formed friendships that lasted throughout their school year and friendships that still people still stay connected to, and they created memories that will last in their entire lifetime. So I remember when, uh, 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 sitting with that same student when we came back after spring break, and, someone, and, and everybody was excited about their trips, and everybody was full of life and joy uh, uh, serving others. And uh, someone asked this, this guy, he said, hey, how, how was your, your time in Vegas? Eh, it was okay. And I'm like, dude, we signed like a lifestyle agreement to go to this school. I'm not sure what you were going to do there or what you thought would be fun, but we <laughs> it wasn't very fun. Humility surrenders to God no matter the circumstance. It becomes a lifestyle, that surrender. It's a constant position. Humility also is able to boldly declare the truth. Boldness, humility, they actually work hand in hand. True confidence and true and, and, and humility. Uh, Pastor Dav taught me a long time ago, those things go together, and on the opposite side of that is fear and pride. If you tug on, on pride, what the actu- absolute root of it is, is actually fear. You tug on humility and confidence and boldness, you tug on that root and come to the bottom of it, it's love. We know from 1 John 4, those things are are opposed to each other. They cannot work together. Humility is able to, de- to declare the truth with boldness because it does not care about engaging in argument. It's not trying to win. It lets go of control. It doesn't say, um, it, it doesn't need to control what you think or what you feel about a, a situation. It just knows what simply is and is confident in that. All right. What does humility not do? Humility does not color or distort the truth. It has no need to. It's confident in what the truth is. If I'm not concerned with my self-image or protecting my interests, there is no need to, cover, to color the truth. If I'm, not, if I'm not trying to manage what other people think about me. Um, as I said, I, you know, I am in law enforcement and... Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for me to talk to people about things that they did that they wish they hadn't done. <laughs> and what I found in those interviews is so often that's all that guides them is, is, is this people are trying to color the truth to try to manage what I, in my position, think about them. And they know that I'm going to write a report, and so it's going to be out there of what, what other people think about them. And so a good interview is I let people talk because it's like, hey, I'm not trying to color what you remember from this 
uh, incident, I, w- I want to hear everything you have to say. So people will throw out there what they think sounds good and try to put themselves in a really good light. But then as a good interviewer, I say, okay, I hear this, but I know this piece of information, I know this piece of information. And so now it's, uh-oh, backtrack. Uh, so what I said over here, like how do I make that jive with the truth that you just told me? And they're always trying to color and distort it to make themselves look the best. I would encourage you today, don't play that game. <laughs> just let the truth be the truth. That's all you need to be concerned with. Humility does not always have to give an opinion. We live in this bizarre world right now to where it demands that you have an opinion. And there's only two opinions in any given thing. And it's like, you need to be on this one or you need to be on this one. And whatever opinion you're on, we're going to duke it out and, and fight with each other. But humility realizes, you know what? I don't always have to give an opinion. Um, one of the gals I work with, uh, she has a son who's in, I, I think, his early 20s. Um, she's white. His dad's black. So he's, he's, he's a, a biracial. Um, and there was, last summer, there was a protest in, in our town. And uh, it's a smaller town. And there was people who came together and say, you know, police lives matter, blue lives matter. Then there was the other side that was like black lives matter. And they're yelling and shouting at each other. And it was kind of a big, big to-do in the town. Well, he came into Safeway, unbeknownst to him, this was going on, he just wanted to get gas. And getting out of his car to get gas, there's some of his friends, some of his teenage friends come up and say, hey man, what side are you on? Are you on Blue Lives Matter or are you on Black Lives Matter? Which side are you, are, are you going to take? And he's like, what are you, I'm, I'm here to get gas? <laughs> like, I don't, I didn't, I don't know. And, and, but that wasn't acceptable to them because it's like, well, no, we know that your, your, your parent is a cop, but you're black, so your, your opinion has to matter, and we're going to, you know, what, what is it? And he just goes, um, I'm on God's side. Like, that's the side I'm going to take. I'm on God's side. I encourage you, don't feel that pressure of, oh, man, i got to engage and give an opinion because everybody's arguing about on this either side. It's, humility realizes, you know what? I don't know everything about everything. And that's okay. And I haven't, maybe God hasn't spoken to me about this particular situation, so I don't have to take a strong stance on it. Humility can say, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Humility does not complain. Humility lets go of that idea that I deserve better or that I could do a better job if I was in charge. It lets go of deservedness. I've been a Christian for about, for 20-something years. I've read the scriptures several times, and here's what I can tell you about complaining. There has never been a time, not once in all my life, where I have complained about a scenario, either in my mind or in my words. And there's never been a time in scripture where the Israelites, you know, came across something or the New Testament church came across something they complained And God looked at their complaint and said, I hear you, and I'm going to act on your behalf, and I'm going to pull you out of that scenario. (laughs) Not once has that happened. Humility does not get irritable at inconvenience or, or disruption to my plans. Humility recognizes the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ. I want to encourage you today that 
when you encounter inconveniences, when your plans are disrupted, when things aren't going the way that you necessarily thought they were, don't fret. Don't be frustrated. You do not know how God is working in your life. You do not know what he might bring about through it. Scripture promises always working for our good. We, I, I've got a story to illustrate this. We, um, in 2018, uh, Julie and I were looking to sell our home. We had a home built in uh, 1958. If you know anything about 1958 homes, the bedrooms are like this big. And we had our, our two daughters. Charlie was 18 months or so at the time. Uh, they were sharing a room, and it was, it was difficult. We were really crowded for space. So we started praying and seeking God and thinking, you know, we need to, we need to get a new house. This is, we're just outgrowing this one. And we found one. It was in the town we wanted. And Julie and I, we like old houses. We think they're neat. We appreciate history. And we found this house built in the 20s. Um, and it was a little bit out of our price range, but it had a ton of character. It had uh, original hardwood floors. It had uh, original wood windows with leaded glass. It was a cool house. We absolutely loved it. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we could, we could move there and have this house? Well, it kept coming down in price. I think in this area, nobody just wanted to live in that old of a house, and so they're having a hard time selling it. And it came to a spot where he said, okay, we're going to put an offer in. We, we believe that this is the house that God has for us. So we did. It was accepted. But since we didn't have much money, it was a contingent offer. We had to sell our, our, our 1958 house, um, which was a good house. And so it was a, a decent market at the time, and we had a a good realtor, she was a good friend of ours, who said, here's our strategy. We're going to throw this thing up. We'll, 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 you, know, you guys prepare it. We'll take some photographs, and we'll throw it up for an open house. We'll get multiple offers. It's what I'm seeing. House is a style, and we'll just pick the best one, and, and we'll move forward, and, and, and you'll sell it and move on to the next house. And so that was our plan. So we put it up on the market, and we got nothing. We got no, no bites. So we said, okay, well... I'm not sure what happened, but it's summertime. Maybe a lot of people are gone. I don't know. Let's do it again. So we did it again, and we got one offer. And we're excited about it. We took it. We, we told the other realtor, hey, we're going to move forward. We got an offer on our, on our house, so, so we'll buy this one. Well, that offer fell through in about a week. So I shoot. Well, what do we do? So we're, 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 we're nervous. Like, we're, we, are we going to lose this other house? And right after that offer fell through, the people selling the, the house in the 20s said, hey, we got another offer, so we have this contract with you. You've basically got a, you know, 30 days to follow through with it, or otherwise uh, you know, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose your earnest money. So we prayed, and we felt like, you know what? This is a good thing. We're going to trust God. We're going to refinance this house, pull out equity, pay for the other one, and we'll keep this other one as a rental. I was a little nervous about that plan. I'd seen... Um, you know, being in law enforcement, I'd seen people lose tens of thousands of dollars in a, a, a rental house just from tenants damaging it. So I knew that was a little bit of a risk, but I thought, you know what, this is, we're going we're gonna to go and we're going to trust God. Um, and so we did, and that was, it was easy. It was an easy, smooth process. We um, put our home up. We had a, uh, one day, like a Saturday, for two hours, we said we're going to have an open house for anyone interested in renting it. We'll, we'll, we'll come in and we'll just take an offer. Well, we had a guy... He was in like his mid-50s. He, he had a career uh, in the airlines, and he, he voluntarily came out to PDX, sold his house on the East Coast, so he had plenty of, of cash on hand, and he showed up to our house said, hey, I got plenty of money. 
Uh, I, he was wearing a, a freshly pressed shirt, long sleeve shirt, and it was tucked into khaki shorts, and there were creases <laughs> down his, the front of his short. I thought, this is my guy. Okay. <laughs> so he was the first one to get his application in, came in the next day, and it was like, done. He's our tenant. And he kept that house more beautiful, better than we ever kept it. I checked on it two or three times throughout the, uh, the next few years, and every time it was immaculate. He, and he fixed stuff. We had a water pressure issues in our back bathroom. It was just uh, the sink trickled. I never fixed it. And he just one day said, hey, oh, yeah, no, no problem. There was some pressure in the back bedroom, so I replaced the sink, and it's all fine now. Yeah. Great. Perfect. <laughs> Fast forward to this summer, and just where we are as a family, with uh, Julie and I, we're both working full-time. We have three kids, a, a lot going on, and Julie was just feeling like there's some things that um, – that, we're going, that, that she needed to step away from work. There's just uh, uh, various reasons for that. And so we're thinking, okay, sounds good. That's going to be really tight. But you know what? Maybe it's time to sell this house. I mean, the market is really high. It's crazy high. Um, so we started thinking and praying, and we, we just weren't sure because it's like, well, we're also seeing the benefit if we just keep holding on to it and it keeps going up. That's a good long-term thing for the future. So, Lord, what do we do? And we're praying. And, and so... Uh, I drew a line in the sand saying, okay, this weekend I've got to make my decision um, because for tax pur- purposes, it made sense to sell it before uh, a few years had passed and we're, we're coming right up on that, that three-year deadline. And so in that same weekend, I'd gone to Lowe's to just pick up, um, pick up the, the, the supplies for that fence that I built. I, was, I picked up the, the posts and the, the rails and I'm in line and I just hear this guy behind me Hey, coming over to my house when you're done. Ha, 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 ha. I'm like, oh, yeah, hey. I'm like, I know that guy. And uh, his wife came up and approached. I thought, oh, I'm like, hey, where do you guys live? And uh, they were kind of taken aback. And I told them, I think I sold you that the house. You live, you know, at this place behind Safeway. And they said, oh, yeah. And uh, we had a good time connecting. They told me about how much they enjoyed the house, all the projects they did, all these things. And after that conversation, it was sell the house. Like immediate confirmation, sell the house. So, okay. So we talked with our tenants. They were interested in buying it. And a few weeks later, house was sold. Mutually beneficial. Uh, we came up with a good price that helped us both out. It was awesome. We, I tell that story to tell you this. You can make plans. Sometimes they're going to fail. Don't get frustrated. Don't get upset. Always have that posture of humility, humility under the hand of God, because he is working good for you. Had we sold that house in 2018, there's there's significant equity we would have missed out on. God had something better in mind for us. Let's continue on with this verse. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that in his good time he may exalt you. The hand of God was used often in Old Testament in reference to God's deliverance from Egypt. Exodus 13.9, For with a powerful hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Deuteronomy 9.26, Your people, your inheritance, whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Also in reference to provision and protection. The great trial which your eyes saw and the signs and the wonders and the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same 
to all the people of whom you are afraid. Knowing God's mighty hand is over us allows us to let go of self-interest. It says, having cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Did you know it's an exercise of pride to hold on to anxiety, to hold on to worry? Don't do it. Submit. Submit to his mighty hand. Let go. He cares about you. He has good for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So resist him firm in your faith. At the time of this writing, the church was going through persecution from religious and governmental leaders. It feels the same way today sometimes. Dr. Zeph mentioned this morning, you know, he had concern about uh, uh, the church in this country and, and where things are headed. Peter identifies who is the real enemy that is behind this persecution that is behind these efforts. You know, Paul says we don't war against flesh and blood. We war against the, the principles, the powers, the authorities of the air. We are aware the devil is real. We are aware he has a plan. And that can inform our awareness. But I want to caution you, just don't give an overemphasis to it. Be surrendered under the mighty hand of God. No, God is out, devil is out there. He has a plan against you, but God is mighty. He who is within you is greater than he that is in the world. Humility stands firm in faith. It knows the truth, and it does not, it is not anxious or fearful. Knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. Peter tells his audience, hey, you are not the only ones going through suffering. What you are concerned about, you're not alone. I'm going to tell you today, you're not alone. Whatever your anxiety is, whatever you're worried about, you are not alone. In this room, you have brothers and sisters who are standing with you. Across the world, there are brothers and sisters of the same faith standing with you, also going through persecution and trials. Throughout, her, throughout world history, there has been persecution and trials uh, against the church. None of this is new. Do not worry. Lastly, Peter says, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, somebody say all grace. All grace, all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I'm going to look at those words for a minute. Perfect. This idea to, to, to bring to completeness. Um, in the, scripture, the same word was used when the apostles were mending their nets. Like something was broken, but they, they perfected it. They added what was missing and made it whole. That's that idea of perfect. Confirm. Same, same Greek word used to make granite. To, or not make granite, but it's as solid as granite. Or steel that is toughened, that is tempered in the fire. This idea of confirm. Strengthen. Sounds like strength, being strong. And establish. The idea of a foundation. A foundation that establishes a large structure. These are the things that God 
wants to do in our life and will do in our life as we submit to him as we have faith in trials. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Invite the worship team to come. If you, let's all stand. Church, I just want to call you today to live in a posture of surrender. God is so good. He has good for you. He is working on your behalf all the time. maybe you've been holding on to worry or anxiety about something maybe there's something in your life that uh, where you're just trying to control and maintain control over something that you can't I want to encourage you today to surrender let it go maybe there's a pattern of complaining look the last 18 months I've been guilty of complaining if that's something that's that's going on in your mind and your thoughts or your speech I just want to encourage you to, to let that go to surrender Or maybe there's just some pride. There's some places where you're trying to protect your own dignity. And I just want to encourage you to let it go. God, it it is the safest place to be, is humbled and surrendered under his mighty hands. If that resonates with you at all, or, or if there's anything that you need prayer for, I just want to open up the altars. Prayer workers, uh, if you pray at Heritage, I want to invite you to to please come and just be, be ready. Um, and Aaron, can you please go ahead and lead us in that chorus? Oh, to Jesus I surrender all to Jesus, we surrender. Jesus, we surrender. Lord, I pray for your church today. God, I pray that you would exalt your church as we humble ourselves before you. God, I pray that we could live in surrender, in submission to your mighty hand. Holy Spirit, have your way in and through us today.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You're free to go. Thank you.